You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, Grab your mouse and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 329. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Karka, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. What a week. We're just about to have our Canada Day long weekend. You guys are coming up next, I guess. You're oh, yeah. a nice long one coming up, eh? Oh, yeah, and I'm moving over it, so it'll be a really long one for me. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, yeah but it's going to be worth it. We're going to be moving in um, a month to a new location, much nicer. But our we're elevator's just... down, and we're on the third floor. <laughs> oh, man, third floor walk-up. Nice. Yeah, I don't even want to know what they're going to charge us for that, because there's no way I'm doing it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the elevator, the new place or the one you're leaving? Leaving. Our new place oh. actually doesn't have one. So they're going to have to go down ours and then they go up <laughs> the new one. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It's going to be pricey. Oh, uh, well. Too much fun. Up. Yep. It's going to be nice. So it's going to be uh, right down in the hub of Victoria, which is, you know, it's a very touristy town. So there's lots of excitement that goes on downtown. At least it's more buzz and stuff. And we'll be right I like in the your heart. downtown. Thanks. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's very uh, London-esque, I've been told, um, in a very tiny, tiny area. <laughs> uh, it's a little piece of London. It just popped out somewhere else. Yeah, it's not the a whole 50th, thing. perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it's definitely old old London looking, I've been told. So, All right. Well, we got lots to cover today. Um, oh, yeah. The first one I wanted to talk about was uh, good old Stephen Spencer. He had written um, his part three to the ultimate guide to bot herding and spider wrangling. A uh, nice little catchy way of, of discussing something that a lot of people don't really consider, and that is that you can influence bots. Bots are the uh, uh, search engine tools used to index your website. Um, you can influence them to a degree, and there's different ways of doing it. Um, in this why, third, sorry, why might you want to do that, Ross? Well, it's uh, 
uh, I guess if it's if there's a certain number of pages you want the the the, the spider to get to and they aren't getting to it, that can be an issue. Um, this is actually going to explain a lot of it. I don't really want to give it away. Um, so first one, uh, some of the things are. Uh, if you want organic rankings, you want to have clean code, they say. Um, unfortunately, small mistakes can confuse crawlers and lead to serious handicaps in search results. That is a good old quote from Stefan. Uh, the first one he notes is infinite spaces, also known as spider traps. He says poor coding can sometimes unintentionally result in infinite spaces or power, uh, spider traps. Uh, what this happens, uh, what happens here is essentially Google will go in infinite circles or any kind of search uh, engine uh, indexer will do that. Um, you can even use, uh, he, he gives an example, of third, a third-party crawler called DeepCrawl that you can use, which will index the site. And you can look for these issues. If you see anything that's causing that, um, you've got you've to fix it because there's a certain amount of, I know this is controversial, but a certain amount of crawl budget uh, a website can have um, based on its authority and, and just how well it's being um well, how well it's loved by Google uh, and the world. So you want to make sure that you're not wasting that on these these issues. And I mean, certainly if it's a, a one of these infinite loops, you're also potentially getting Google stuck on your site uh, and you won't get very good results at all. So how does he work in the the idea of using the XML sitemaps to, to really, because the XML sitemaps really kind of just replace the crawling in many cases of a site and just feeds those URLs directly to Google. How does he integrate the, the, the two of You're those? not even looking at it, are you? No, of course not. <laughs> that, that was part two. I'm not even looking at that right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm asking Listen, you. People, this, is, this is what I have to work with. <laughs> I'm trying to get Did, through this. Uh, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> XML sitemaps. What about them? So if, if you're wrangling spiders, how important does he consider the XML sitemaps since they kind of replace the spiders to begin with? How, how does he ad get to them? Let me look in part two here because we're going to have to rewind to answer your question. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you should have started on part three to begin with. Part two, you mean? No, you said this was part three of his series. We're on part three. Now you're asking me to go back to part two. Ah, uh, people. Okay, let's move on here. Yeah, Why forget, don't you just answer the question? question. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Embedded content is the next thing he talks about. He says, if you want a, your site crawled effectively, it's best to keep things simple. Bots often have trouble with JavaScript frames, Flash, and asynchronous JavaScript and XML. Now, what we're getting into here, um, as I'm sure that you, uh, many of those out there who are, are novice to SEO or, or and I'm getting a little blurry-eyed. Uh, this stuff is, you know, it's slightly more complex. Um, and, and But that doesn't mean you shouldn't know about it. I mean, it's just a matter of reading one of these articles, and at least it'll give you some insight into what could happen. And then you can ask your SEO if you find that there's some major issues and you know you have some of these. For example, he's using one uh, uh, example, of, which is infinite scroll. While at, uh, and I'm quoting here. While it might improve your usability, it can make it difficult for search engines to properly crawl and index your content. Ensure that each of your article or product pages has a unique URL and is connected via traditional linking structure, even if it is presented in a scrolling format. And then that is so true. I get these all the time. Um, and oftentimes, people have 
single pages that are really, really long uh, because they got them inexpensively. Uh, and that, that's not always the case. There, there are some very fancy sites that are single page. Uh, they're just few and far between in the small and medium-sized business area that I work in. Um, when I do get them with the single pages, it's often because the designer didn't, you know, wasn't getting paid enough to break it down, which seems silly to me because it's just a page and just content moved there. I mean, there's really no big deal. Um, however, it does seem to happen often. Uh, and in those situations, they're often not built with SEO in mind uh, at all. Uh, you don't want to build it just for SEO, but you certainly want to consider it. So make sure there are links to the content that Google can index. What's next on this, uh, Johnny? Uh, on part three? Yeah. Because I went back to part two to answer my own question because you made me read it. Okay, good. <laughs> well, why don't you jump into that? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, for the, for, the, for the XML files, the question I had was, you know, because since Stefan's talking mainly about bots and, and wrangling and hurting the spiders and bots, an XML file really kind of replaces that. And when you submit it to Google's um, search console, it it will take that and go out and grab those pages best it can. Now, it's going to use the spots and the biters to grab those pages. Biters, did I say? Spiders to grab those pages. <laughs> it's one of those days, can you tell? Oh, I have a nice too. And what Stefan's saying is that the sitemaps are a a guide for the bots to help them understand the structure of the site. Um, and it uses the sitemaps as a clue, not as a definitive guide. And I get that. So if if you have 20 pages listed on your XML sitemap and there's actually 30 pages on your site, the bots will find those 20 immediately, but they'll still crawl any other pages that might be on your site. So they're not going to say, yep, those are the only 20 we're going to because that's what's in the XML sitemap. It's going to it's going to still look for any other pages that might not be included. Yeah, remember, just, I don't know why this little soundbite came back to me. I don't think I've heard it in years, but remember when they used to say that it was often better for Google to find your content than to be instructed to look at it. Yeah, that kind of goes back to the the the, the submission tool. Yeah, um, that was a long time days. ago. Yeah, huh. but the, and I think the reason behind that was because if they found your site via yeah. crawling, that meant that there were links to your site. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, it it it. <laughs> yes, that's how my mind works. Just little sound bites. Just go. Bloop. <laughs> but it, it was uh, quite a while back. But it, it is true in many regards. I mean, it's still, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to do better by any stretch. But if your site is being found, um, obviously, that's always going to be a better thing. Uh, so, um, yeah. So that was site maps. And I'm glad you went back and looked at that. That's good. So what we're talking about now is mobile sites. He just wanted to mention in here some pretty basic stuff that we've discussed before. And that is that... Uh, you know, optimize for mobile users first. That is, that is key. Uh, gone are days when the mobile site could be simplified version of your desktop site. Instead, start by considering the mobile user and search engine bots first and work backwards. That's unquote. Um, so one thing he does bring up, though, is that if you have different sites, so you've got a mobile and you've got a desktop site, um, that you're doing a redirect to someone's on mobile to the mobile version, ensure that there's consistency between the two. You don't want them to be different um, in terms of uh, the messaging. Uh, you want everything to be on point. Uh, and and uh, that's certainly something worth considering. I mean, you don't have to be, uh, 
crazy exact. It doesn't have to be identical, but it should be uh, largely the same. Otherwise, it, it can look bad. Uh, next here, accelerated mobile pages. Uh, he mentions that um, there's no clear evidence that Google prioritizes accelerated mobile pages or other mobile pages right now. Um, however, the faster load time could contribute to higher rankings. Uh, really, that's stuff we've discussed before, but it's always bears mentioning again. Mm -hmm. um, he also mentions blocking bad bots. Uh, now, do you guys do well, that quite often? Well, well, let's go back to the, the AMP because this is something that I think we need to make sure we understand tied to AMP. Oh, the, sure. last, the last sentence in there says, even though accelerated pages are hosted on a Google URL, the AMP pages, um, they still use your crawl budget, mm, which I think point. is really, really interesting. Just if you're doing AMP, remember if you have an AMP version, that's going to increase the crawl budget. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, to recap, crawl budget, how would you describe it? Um, that's basically Google saying, um, here's how much time we're going to give the bots on your site. And the more pages they have to go after, the more time they use. Um, budget is kind of a, a time-related thing in my mind. You know, or it's hard to say time because, but but I think of it that way. It's like we're only going to stay on your site for so long. That means we're only going to hit be able to hit so many pages. So you want to make sure they hit the proper the, the pages you want them to hit. Yeah, yeah. Like for example, thousands and thousands of page sites that um, maybe half of them. I, I have to admit that's probably mine where they are just not even visited anymore because they're outdated outdated articles. Um, you don't want Google going to them first. Uh, and, and, and you may want to, you, well, you will. You'll want to focus them on what's new, what's fresh, what's more relevant. Um, if they get to those, fine. You don't need to block them. But um, and that's a whole other conversation. But at this point, just, you know, having some way to um, ensure that they're getting to the right pages, you can use the sitemap concept you were talking about before. And again, that's only suggestion. Uh, Google will not follow it as a guide. It's just a suggestion. Um, but, uh, you know, there, th these are, this is all something you got to consider when you consider crawl budget. And mm -hmm. that, that's a lot of what this whole series is about, how to use that crawl budget as efficiently as possible and ensure nothing's being blocked that shouldn't be blocked. Now, he's about to mention blocking bad bots here. Um, I don't do this a lot. I used to do it more often, and I certainly do it when I, when I would see a lot of traffic coming from, for example, Baidu in China. But I was do you guys say, do it quite just, often? No, not not really. But I, let's let's talk. Let's help people understand what are bad bots, right? Sure. So bad bots can be um, well. I'll, give, I'll go back to the example I just gave. Baidu. It's a, a very very popular search engine in China. I think it's the most popular, um, and it was indexing. A, well, there's a couple times we've had a problem with it. I'd step forth. One was an interview that uh, Jim Hedger had done when he was working with us um, with the BBC. And that interview was quite hefty. I mean, it was only maybe, uh, I think I'd, I'd condensed it down to five megabytes. But it was getting a lot of traffic. And it was slowing down our server. Um, and that was because Baidu had indexed it and then added it to its uh, system, uh, to its search results. Baidu was the only one it had, and it kept indexing it, and it also uh, had delivered a lot of traffic to it. So we blocked it, and that made a massive difference in our bandwidth, sped up our website, and was, was good all around. 
<laughs> another example was other content on our site, that, like images. Baidu loves to index images. Uh, and we were getting a ton of traffic to some of our older images that really weren't going to give us any business. Well, remove them. There's no no yeah. benefit to us. And there's a lot of crawlers out there that, that people will use to try to find content that they want to scrape. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that people do by crawling the web with these different bots. Um, I, I don't remember. I've seen, I haven't seen one of these in a long time, but it used to be um, HT access files that would deny all kinds of different bots to come to mm -hmm. your site. And there would be lists of 50, 60 different bots that they would deny access to the site from. Um, and I think Stefan makes a really good point here. Um, those those site those h or those robots.txt files that block all those bots you got to remember if it's a bot that has not so good intentions <laughs> they're not going to follow your robots.txt file they're just going to ignore it and do what they want anyway and stefan says here you should block them in the ht access file using their ip address which makes a ton more sense it makes sense will. but it's also a losing battle yeah uh, I mean, those IP addresses get switched so often. If, if it's something they're making money on, there's no way you're going to block them. And you, you can try, but it, it just it will be pretty in, intense. There are services, I haven't looked at or found one recently, but I know there are, um, that you can pay and they will keep you updated with those bot uh, IP addresses. It's their job to find them out and they'll update your, uh, I guess, your HT access. I don't know how they would do that actively, but um, yeah. and it would yeah, allow you to block them. The most recent one of those services I've seen was really focused on referral spam in analytics, keeping yes. track of who's doing referral spam and, you know, what you need to add into your act, your analytics to filter it out. Right. Um, you know, there's more to talk about here, but we've got so much more we have to talk about as well on our list here. So I think uh, I'll just think I'll end this segment um, on Stefan's article, just suggesting that you go and read it. It is a three-part series. It's got great content. Stefan's always amazing for content. Uh, he's super knowledgeable. Uh, we've had him on the show before. He's overdue again. I mean, we said that before, but he's a little harder to get now. He's gotten too darn popular. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually think he's going to be at Content Marketing World this year. Oh, there you go. We'll get him on an interview. We're going to be there, uh, John and I. We're going to be doing some interviews. So yeah. probably we'll, we'll try and do at least one podcast there, too. I think that'd be fun. Okay, well, let's take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk about... Uh, Reduced link spam on Google. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Catholic Charities is committed to providing life's basic needs. We thank you for bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs and how important these people are. And we ask you to guide them, to protect them, and keep them here forever because this community needs them. Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org to learn more. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. 
There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right, so Google claims to have reduced link spam by almost half. I didn't read this. What's this all about? Well, you jumped ahead one, but we can go ahead and do this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. it's all right. Um, but it's, it's interesting. They actually put out their uh, Webmaster oh. Web Spam report, and um, I can actually put a link to it in, in the community. Um, and Barry did a write-up of it. And basically what they're saying is that over the past few years, so it's not like just in the last year, since they really started digging into it, they've reduced link spam by almost half. They're now claiming that less than 1% of search results um, users visit are spammy. Now, we don't know what their definition of spammy is compared to what yours or mine might be, but that's what they're saying. Um, they're, they're, just, they're basically just trying to promote the fact that they are cleaning up their results, um, both on the SERP results perspective and the link spam perspective, um, which is a good thing. Absolutely. It's a good thing. Oh, surely. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah. Okay, great. And the one I skipped. <laughs> <laughs> so the one you skipped was uh, it's actually quite interesting to me um, the, Google's rolling out a new tool in Google Search Console and it's rolling out as we speak and it'll probably take they say it'll take a few weeks to get it out to everybody but it's a, a URL inspection <laughs> tool and what this does it basically gives you a lot of specific data about an individual URL so if you have a page that's not indexing right or if there's some kind of problem with it and you're not sure what it is you can go inspect the URL and Google will tell you pretty much everything they know about it if it's not indexed they'll they'll even give you a potential reason why it might not be indexed uh, maybe it's blocksbearobots.txt or something like that it'll tell you when the last time it crawled is what the actual URL is what the canonical URL is um, all kinds of information about that you can help use to help diagnose any issues tied to a specific URL. I think this is pretty handy. Um, it kind of, I don't think it takes the place of, but the, the overcrawl as Google tool inside of there um, didn't give you this kind of information. It just lets you crawl it and then showed you what it had. It takes two vaccines to help protect you this season. One for the flu and another for COVID-19. And according to the CDC, now you can get both shots at the same visit. Talk to your healthcare professional or visit cdc.gov vaccines to learn more. 
this actually gives you dates and here's what we see is your canonical here's what we see is you know you're being blocked by this or um, these are the issues we see with this specific page which i think is great yeah some of the uh, examples they provide in their help document are um uh, these are some of the responses it can provide. Our URL is on Google, but has issues. In this case, it could be uh, some malformed structured data, uh, any kind of errors that, that are, I, I would say that are ones that would show up in your Google Search Console in general when you're looking at a page. Next one is uh, URL is not on Google and there's indexing errors. That's a major flag. <laughs> that yeah. The next one as well, URL is not on Google at all. Uh, essentially, URL is not on Google. It's the actual term. Um, in this case, uh, they need to find out what's going on. Where you know you need to look into this pretty quickly. And then the other one is, uh, and this is interesting. I haven't seen this before. URL is an alternative version, alt version. So this URL is one of a set of alternate versions of the same page. Pages in this group include AMP or canonical pairs or desktop version or mobile version page pairs. You can see the indexed URL in Google selected canonical value under index coverage. Uh, what to do? Generally, there's nothing to do, they say, though you might check the Google selected canonical to make sure it, it is the expected page. Hmm. That's, anyway, a great, got that's a, a great option. Yeah, there's a lot actually to this. And on Search Engine Land, where this article is, which is titled Google Search Console Releases URL Inspection Tool, you will find a link to the, what do they call it here, the large help document. They've got it near the bottom of the article. And yeah. uh, it's pretty good. The, the, the couple of things I think that are really worth pointing out, it also talks about the AMP, AMP versions of the, the page, um, rich results tied to the page. So I'm assuming there's going to be some uh, schema uh, markup in there somehow. Um, and again, the canonical stuff we talked about. But I think the schema and the AMP piece is really interesting on a per page level. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. <laughs> this happened to me yesterday, and I was completely baffled. The Google Home was offline. Now, as, I, as listeners will know, I've talked about it a lot. We've got Google Homes all over our house. And uh, I, what I use is I use it to, well, for a number of things. But I, I like to, if it's in the morning and the kids aren't up, I do a, a broadcast. It's time to wake up. And Google does this cool little uh, rooster sound, and it says it's time to wake up. <laughs> well, this time all it said was, uh, what was it? Sorry, uh, you can't, we can't, or something like, I don't know. Sorry, this isn't working right now. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, it, did, it did it to me too, but it was back pretty quickly. Was it? Yeah, not yeah. not in Canada. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. I, I only tried it for five minutes trying to do, get it right and booting it up again and stuff. But then I got off my lazy ass and I went upstairs and woke him up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it was what I found was interesting was just how really useless, like a big piece of plastic the thing was without that critical link to the Google Hub. It couldn't even think without it. I mean, you I, you would kind of assume the basics would be there, but no, it couldn't even do the broadcast. It's oh, yeah. shocking to me. Well, and it's the... When you talk about the Google Hub, do you have the, uh, the like the little Google Minis all over the house? Yes, but no, that's not what I meant. I mean, like, Headquarters, Google headquarters. Oh, I mean, so, so being online, basically. Essentially, I mean, it did have internet access. Um, it, it, I know, well, at least I, I had assumed that the uh, the basic things such as this, whatever, um, the ring for dinner time, the the rooster call, that stuff was built into these. But I guess not. It, it's actually being streamed from Google because oh. it was totally useless. I couldn't get even the most basic things 
um, requested. Very odd. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, not the kind of thing that uh, you want to see, I guess, if you're putting any reliance on it. But then again, no one should be. Um, and Chromecast also went offline. So people actually saw the Chromecast logo disappearing from their TVs and everything. It was pretty, pretty much a wake-up call for many. So, so kind of tied to that, I know, um, is the Google Assistant, one of the things they did or they're doing is they're making it more um, conversational. They're calling it natural continued conversation. And I'm so, so happy this is coming out because it's like you can say, you know, hey, Google, turn on the lights in my living room. And then you can say, set the brightness. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> <My Google just laughs> I was about to say, what are you doing, man? Yeah. But then you can also say right after it, just say, and set the brightness to 50%. So you don't have to say that phrase that I'm not going to say because my Google will take off if I do. You don't have to say that every time you give it a command anymore. It's actually more conversational where, you can say, where the, 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 the commands can be linked together, which is amazing. And yeah, been waiting that that, for that for such yeah, a long time. It's, it is quite annoying having to say the command phrase multiple times just to get them to do multiple things that really should be in a string. So mm -hmm. that is. But this this will this will play into search because at some point when you're asking questions, um, you know, hey, you know who, um, you know who's got the best pizza in town, and it comes back and gives you a, an answer. You can say, are they open right now? And it'll say yes or no. Do they deliver? You don't have to keep saying. You know, it'll, it'll actually play into search. It'll play into that um, local mobile um, voice search kind of stuff quite a bit, I think. Hmm. Well, uh, and again, and a nice dovetail here is uh, the Google Duplex. This is something we've talked about in, in a past episode. Uh, it's the uh, discussion we had uh, where you could ask Google Assistant to go online and... Well, actually, to call it's the, the example they did online was, or in the 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 reveal was calling a, a hairdresser and getting to set appointment for you, and very conversationally, and without any any evidence that it was anything other than a real person calling. It was cr creepily cool. Well, yeah, but we got, we got to remember that first one. There was some controversy about whether it was real or not. Well, yeah, and that's what this is all about here. So, uh, yeah. Google um, has, I guess decided to do a little more of uh, official test uh, of the system with uh, the press. Uh, I don't know how many were involved, but essentially this, this is a Wired Magazine article. Um, so it was probably quite exclusive. However, they got to see it working live so they could really experience it and, and know that it wasn't being faked. Um, in this case, they actually got to act as the person who was accepting the call, uh, as from what I can understand here. Um, essentially, the reporters rotated through the host stand at the front of the shop and took an turns answering the phone so they could interact with the, the virtual assistant. And they were trying to trip it up. They were trying to do a number of things. And then at one point, the virtual assistant switched for a real person and he couldn't tell. That is amazing. That is uh, cool. I mean, and this wired guy uh, was obviously, I mean, these guys are pretty good at what they do. Uh, he was trying to trip it up. And even then, uh, it, there's just no way he could he could tell. Uh, and that, that, well, he said here, um, that was a human who took over the call. I was stunned. In the end, I was still a human, human who couldn't differentiate between a voice powered by silicone and one born of flesh and blood, unquote. Damn. Wow. 
yeah, that had to have Google pretty impressed. Now, uh, he did ask about that last reveal, and I'll read a, a quote here. I asked Huffman and Fox, these are the people from Google, whether Google regretted, regretted showing off a carefully produced duplex demo back in May that offered a little offered little in terms of transparency or exposition. Fox didn't say directly whether he regretted it. And this is a quote from Fox. We thought of the demo at I.O. as much more of a technology demo, whereas what you see here is much more of the product side of the technology. Fox said. It was more of a pure technology demo, but we always knew we needed disclosure and it was the right thing to do. Fox added that Google found all of the feedback from people, quote unquote, useful. <laughs> Very diplomatic. Isn't uh, uh, anyways, they are... Uh, very close to really, you know, taking this to the next level, which is, I guess, a, a public rollout. I, I can't wait to see when that happens. This is going to be just wild. It will be interesting for sure. It's, I'm sure we won't see it in Canada for a while because I, I can imagine this takes a lot of processing power. They're going to have a hard enough time just doing it in the States. Yeah, and, and you know they're going to roll it out quietly, um, beta testing it with some live clients first before they roll it out to everybody. They have to. Yeah. If they haven't right. already. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we come back. Uh, we have to, uh, oh, we get to talk about meta keywords. How darn exciting is that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Engage with our panel of on-air experts and peers by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on air or on demand from our website or through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. Interact and stay informed. Just search for WebmasterRadio.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So, <laughs> these are some no-brainer ones. We get these lately, but they're, they're good to mention. Good. And they're, they're good. To, they're, you know, we are SEO 101, just to, just to reaffirm some of these basic yes. things. Um, 
for many years in this industry, people abused and used the keyword meta tag, um, stuffing it with keywords, putting all kinds of things that are not related to the page, just whatever they could into the keyword meta tag. And um, I guess I don't know how long it's been since since they came out and actually said we don't use the the Google we don't use the meta keyword tag for anything. It's been a while, at least it's, ten it's, years, I would think, right? Yeah that they, they've just said, we don't use it for anything. And from what I can tell from the research that I've done, because I had a in-depth argument with Alan Boweiss about this one time online, they have never used the keyword meta tag for, for ranking at all. Um, and they're just, and, and, and Gary-ish is just basically saying, you know, the meta keyword tags won't cause a search panel. You can stuff them all you want, basically because they ignore it. They don't use it for anything. Now, that said, um, Bing doesn't use it for ranking purposes, but what Bing does do is uses it as a signal for potential um, manipulation attempts. So if you're, you are stuffing keywords into a keyword meta tag, they may flag that page um, or the site, I don't know which level they would do it at, but they may flag it for a manual review to see if, hey, this person is stuffing keyword tags, they might be doing other stuff that's problematic. And I'd be surprised if in some cases Google didn't do the same thing, even though Gary says they don't use it for anything. But it makes kind of makes sense that you know it's a, it's a signal. It's not going to cause a penalty, but it might flag a review that could find something else that could cause a penalty if you're you know doing that kind of stuff on your site. I was trying to find when they did turn it off. I don't think I think this was even way after, but I did find an article called Google Does Not Use the Keywords Meta Tag in Web Ranking by Matt Cutts in 2009. Uh, but I'm sure it was earlier than that. Probably 2006 yeah, at least. But, uh, you do see sometimes key, see keyword meta tags in enterprise level sites because uh, it's used for their search. Uh, and that's not search. a big deal. Internal yeah, the search. internal search engines. Yeah. That's not a big deal. But it's certainly not something that uh, you ever want to use for um, uh, as a focus for SEO. It's a complete waste of time. Yep, you can put your put your energy somewhere else for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, another bit here is Google My Business, a little local SEO here for you, um, has added a, this is quite interesting, a subjective, a, subjective attributes, this is quote unquote, subjective attributes in insights. And really what this applies to are um, businesses like cafes, restaurants, um, and some of the adjectives, are, this is essentially from people um, I don't know. I guess they're responding to a, a basic list of, of thoughts about a particular site. Uh, for example, um, when, I get, when I'm doing um, my Google local reviews of, of a particular restaurant I was at, it often asked me, uh, is this place popular for lunch? Is, is it popular with a college crowd? Is it trendy? All that kind of stuff. And all these things add up to adjectives. Well, I guess they've had enough They've had enough of a buildup on that. They decided to start using it. So now there is a report within Google My Business Insights that says what your business is known for. And it says below how you score on key attributes that help customers decide where to go. In the example provided by Sergey Alakov, uh, someone very prominent in the uh, local SEO industry, uh, this screenshot shows uh, popular for lunch. That's one gauge. Casual, popular for dinner, good for groups good for kids, serves healthy options. 
and it all has a gauge on either either one. And I know there's many more. So I guess it's just the ones that happen to have been attributed to you by local reviewers. So very cool. I think it's actually quite insightful and it would be really interesting to see uh, if any of the information provided can inform a business owner on and make them change their ways or influence how they work. It'd be interesting. I wonder if that information is going to be used by the algos at all in local search. So if I'm looking for a casual dining Mexican place and the site itself doesn't have anything about casual dining, but those reviews have it really highly related, you know, subjectively rated for casual dining. I wonder if that's going to play a part. It would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hmm. All right. The Mueller Files. Woohoo. have to get into him because well, he's always got lots to say, it seems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. The, the jump into it. This, this first one was really interesting. Um, there was a, a webmaster hangout and then some Twitter follow-up because this is actually kind of got kind of confusing. But basically, um, John Mueller's telling us that every URL that's indexed in Google's index has a canonical URL assigned. Whether you've done it explicitly or not, Google will assign mm. a canonical URL. Um, so people were asking, does, there, there's a lot of questions on Twitter and, and, and the, the comment streams. It's It got confusing reading it, but basically if Google can figure out the canonical, and a lot of times it may just be the same page, um, they're going to assign that as a canonical index for the if, the if the page is in the index. If they can't figure out what a canonical page would be for some reason, it won't get indexed. Um, but I can't, I can never, I can't imagine any scenario where they wouldn't just say, well, the canonical of this page is this page, right? I don't know why yeah. that would just be the default if they can't find one. And essentially, they're just confirming what we've known for a while because in a long for a long long time now they've always said that a canonical is always a suggestion because they've seen it improperly used a lot and they've managed yeah. to identify that and correct it so they've always had some form of understanding of what the canonical are already is um but yeah you know, again it's it's nice to see when they come out like this and, and it does i think it, it's always helpful when we see something more officious like this mm -hmm. All right, keyword stuffing should not warrant removal from index. <laughs> I imagine there are extreme examples where this is not the case, but again, I didn't read this one. So what, what what's up here? Well, this is basically, again, just kind of reaffirming, uh, reaffirming something that we kind of know. Um, so keyword stuffing is a tool that's been used for, was used many, many years <laughs> ago to increase the relevancy of a page for a specific tar target keyword. Um, the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. Now, now with a lot more of the semantic um, word relationships, you know, this kind of thing doesn't happen nearly as often. But if someone read an old article and said, oh, I can just stuff a bunch of keywords in there, um, what they're saying now is if this is happening now, it should not warrant removal from the index. But what it doesn't say is that it will not warrant a penalty, which a penalty could be, we're going to rank you on page five. You know, we're going to, you're going to lose 50 rankings, but it'll still be indexed. You're just going to be penalized and you won't show up anywhere near the first page. Right. So it's still not something recommended at all. It, it just makes no sense in today's SEO world to do keyword stuffing at all. So if you're worried about whether you're going to get removed from an index because of it, the best thing is not to worry about it and change it. <laughs> Perfect. 
There we go. Um, I know we have a question here, but I, I want to actually research the answer before we get to it. So I'm going to talk about it in the next show. Okay. Uh, All right. A, that works. Good, and uh, we're also going a little long. So there we go. I'm actually about to head away from my weekend. Oh, my God. I've got so much to do before I go. <laughs> but nice. anyways, I hope you guys, I hope you have a great, a great one, my friend. Yep. Yep. It, it'll be a holiday for me next week. So if, uh, if we're doing a show, it, cause actually Wednesday is our 4th of July. So, um, yeah, we're going to miss one then. We're either going to mix one or Scott's going to make an appearance. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I guess we can do that to our listeners. Yeah. I, and Ro and they were trying to convince me to do a show the next time that you have to miss. Cause I usually don't do them, but I thought, you know, I could do one with Scott. And then we could just talk the whole time about how bad you mistreat me when I'm not on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's not me. It's usually Scott. But yes, oh, yeah. I, I get the odd dig in there, but he has the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, thank you for joining us today. Have a great week. And remember to tune in to future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.